It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. What is going on? Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. Remember, subscribe at thepetecalendarshow.com. And uh, thank you to the patrons who help make the show possible. Folks like Nick, Catherine, Monica, Les, Mary, and Eric, Peggy, and Tavis, and Kristen, Beth, and now Kim, Eugene, Brian, Jonathan. Thank you all. Uh, they became patrons. They get exclusive content. You can as well go to thepetecalendarshow.com. And there is a link there at the top of the page. And you click it, and it takes you to the Patreon, and then you get all the exclusive content, like the live streams. We did one last night. It was fun. Uh, it always is. It's always fun, and the live chats get kind of rowdy. Um, we still don't know who won our first lottery, I think. I, I checked again before I started the show here, and I see no uh, confirmation of an identity. Not sure if they've found somebody yet or if they're going through the list of alternates. And this is important, I think, because, uh, you know, this was part of the promotion to get more people to get the shot, even though apparently it's not really working very well as a promotional uh, event. But uh, North Carolina did hold the first drawing, we are told, according to this report at MSN.com, which I think is actually a lift from the News and Observer. So they did the drawing on Wednesday morning, and it was done at the Education Lottery building. And officials say it could take several days to determine the winner. The North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services first has to contact the winner and confirm that person's identity. I don't know how they're going to do that with uh, you know, uh, photo IDs being racist and all. The winner then has to agree to be named publicly before any announcement is made. And the best case scenario for this process um, would allow DHHS to make the winner known to the public as early as yesterday, and that didn't happen. <laughs> so uh, we are now waiting uh, for it to happen. They've got two days. They, they got two days to respond to the DHHS uh, uh, first contact. It's more likely the winner will be announced in the days after. And uh, the drawing was administered on a computerized random number generator that assigned a number or numbers to each eligible person. So if you've had at least one of the shots, uh, you get um, you get uh, entered automatically. And uh, then if you have gotten your shots since they announced the uh, creation of the vaccine lottery, uh, then you get entered twice. A North Carolina lottery official conducted the drawing on the computer with a licensed state auditor witnessing the process. One winner was determined in the drawing along with 20 alternates. See, this is the problem when you are using people's health records <laughs> as entries. You can't do this in public, right? I mean, I was holding out hope that we were going to get like a really big see-through uh, ball filled with all the little ping pong balls with our names on them, or maybe our faces. That would have been cool. Our little faces all bouncing around or all right, faces and names. And they were all bouncing around. And then, you know, they pull one out and they're like, okay, here's the winner. And they hold it up. But, uh, that's, that, that is not what happened. They did it. Apparently it seems to be like in secret, uh, but it was audited by an official auditor, state auditor. Um, if the winner doesn't respond to the contact from DHHS after 48 hours, 
or if they don't agree to be publicly identified, then they give up the million dollars. And then they go down, uh, DHHS will go down the alternate list until a winner is determined. So this could actually take a while, because if they can't get a hold of the first person after two days, then they go to the second person. And then I guess the clock starts again. So there's another two days. And then if they can't get a hold of that person in two days, then they they go to another two days and you just keep on <laughs> going down the list. Uh, yeah. So this could take a while if they can't track people down. I mean, it is summertime and maybe people have gone on vacation. Gosh, how, how terrible would that be? You come home from vacation and <laughs> you get this message on the machine. Okay. Yes. I'm, as I'm saying it, I'm realizing that this is not likely to happen because who has answering machines anymore. Right. Um, but yeah, like that, it, it, like what if you find out after the fact that you missed the call and um, and that's why you missed out on the million dollars. By the way, government employees who helped administer the vaccine lottery program cannot win the drawing, nor can their family members. The odds of winning the vaccine lottery, one in four million, one in four million. And by way of comparison, the odds of winning the Powerball lottery is about one in 11 to 12 million. So you have a better chance. But again, I would not have entered on my own because I don't play lotteries unless they're worth at least a quarter of a billion dollars. Otherwise, it's just not worth my time, you know? Um, so there's that. Oh, and the uh, the lottery uh, vaccination rate came up because the, uh, the governor... Uh, yeah, the governor was hoping that this was going to um, prompt a, a surge in vaccination levels, and it apparently has not. North Carolina only saw about a 1% increase in the state's vaccinated population. Um, and, and now, granted, that was after like a week or so. Uh, we don't have the latest figures at this point I, I haven't seen, but uh, it doesn't seem like it's making that big of an impact as it was uh, as they were hoping it would. Uh, Governor Cooper announced on June 10th that uh, the state would automatically enroll everybody in this lottery. Uh, he admitted, though, last week that the number of vaccinations has not increased significantly, uh, just going up one percentage point. Uh, notably, according to the story at Newsweek.com, Democrats were nearly twice as likely to be vaccinated as Republicans. The survey found that 59% of Democrats had received at least one dose of the vaccine, while just 31% of Republicans reported being vaccinated. Now, uh, this is why, one of the reasons why, uh, President Joe Biden came to North Carolina yesterday, all in an effort to promote the vaccinations. And uh, Governor Cooper opened up for him uh, yesterday in Raleigh at the event, and uh, it wasn't a very long speech. But my goodness, it's awkward. He just does not. He does not do well trying to play the uh, the leader of the rally, you know, trying to like the hype man. He's just it's not him. He doesn't look comfortable doing it. He looks awkward and goofy and he, it sounds forced. And he did then some impression of like sort of a a, a sales pitch for the lottery and. I don't I mean, the crowd cheered for him, but these are all Democrats. And so they, they like him. It just it, to me, it's it just is kind of embarrassing. Anyway, here is the governor's speech yesterday. Oh, I know everybody's been waiting such a long time. <laughs> and guess what's still to come? Uh, Joe Biden 
the guy that they came to see is that that would still to come it's just weird see what i mean like that's how he starts it off and guess what's to come what well, they don't have to guess they they're there to see joe biden although he ran very very late we want to welcome president joe biden to the great state of north carolina and there again like what's with the hammering on the great state like he's he I don't know, like you're telling him to punch certain words. You're doing it with like an underline or something, but it's like he realizes halfway through saying the word that, oh, I'm supposed to punch this word. And so he does this with it. (laughs) It just sounds so weird. We want to thank him for providing strong, coordinated, sensible, strategic national leadership out of this pandemic. We want to thank him for helping us with testing, getting us vaccine in a reliable and predictable way, and partnering with governors, both Democratic and Republican, across the country, setting up sites and getting shots in arms. So it sounds like this is just a guess. This is what it sounds like, though, that this speech was written for some other event or it's an amalgamation of of lines from other speeches and addresses that they just sort of stuck together. They cobbled together as sort of like a Frankenstein speech and they just gave it to him on the teleprompter and he's out there, although he is reading from notes too uh, on the, in front of him on the podium. But um, it just doesn't seem like the kind, like he's trying to make it this rally type of a speech and it's it's not working because just the way the speech is written like with the four adjectives right there you know strategic and national coordinated stretch like it's just it's not it does it's not you want to keep your sentences short right you want to have quick payoffs on on the lines not these long run-on sentences so i don't know who's writing his speeches but it sounds like this one was just sort of cobbled together with, you know, from other, uh, probably from the COVID briefings <laughs> that he's been doing. Um, here's something you should be doing is getting over to Mattress Man for the big July 4th sale. You can get a free box spring with the purchase of a mattress from the Biltmore Collection. It's true. Free box spring. The, the Biltmore Collection made by Restonic. It's um, they're I mean enjoy a luxurious mattress obviously it's got old world uh, craftsmanship and it's got new world exclusive technology so it's this blend it's got edge-to-edge sleep surfaces it has maximum adjustability it's got five support zones for correct spinal alignment and all of that means uh, is a more restorative healthier sleep for you and get great financing deals no matter your credit they understand at Mattress Man that, you know, some people have had some issues with credit in the past, and that's okay. They, they've got options for you, all right? But Synchrony Finance, they actually offer a zero down, zero interest for up to 72 months for qualified applicants. They have tons of flexible options. Go to mattressmanstores.com, click the financing link. You can actually apply online right then and there, and then you get pre-approved. And so you don't even have to worry about it when you go into the store. Five-star local delivery service, nationwide shipping, a 120-day comfort guarantee, locally owned and operated. Experience the difference at Mattress Man. Four stores, one in uh, in Hendersonville, uh, one in Arden, two in Asheville. Mattressmanstores.com. Buy local and sleep better. All right, back to Governor Cooper. Thank God for these vaccines. Thank scientific research, thanks perseverance, 
for these stunningly effective life-saving vaccines that are allowing us to gather right here today. <laughs> See what I mean? Right here today. It's, like, it's just goofy. And thank you to President Biden for setting, setting the example of strong, compassionate leadership for this country and putting people first. No mean tweets. No mean tweets. No mean tweets. <laughs> now in North Carolina, all of us together are working to emerge from this pandemic stronger than before. And with President Biden's leadership, we have American Rescue Plan funds to help us make transformational changes, high-speed internet access, wastewater and water infrastructure, housing, education, childcare. We can do this thing. And this pandemic has been shining a light on challenges that we have already faced. Now we can do something about it. Well, I mean, except for the the inflation, that's now it's like the fastest growth in inflation in something like uh, 40 years. So aside from that, yes. And in North Carolina, we are making progress. And you can look at our performance as we sailed through these uncharted waters during this pandemic. We used science and data (laughs) to make the hard decisions. And with our largest states, North Carolina is among the lowest in deaths and job loss per capita. By the way, uh, just by the way, um, New York just lifted its state of emergency. So uh, and now the rumor is that's because Governor Cuomo's daughter is getting married or something and they don't want to have to mask up at the uh, reception. But um, I'm serious. That's what people are saying up there. But now we're we're still under in North Carolina. We're still under Cooper's emergency declaration. So we're behind New York now. It's a good thing. We've done things right. Mm-hmm. And with our vaccines, we've administered almost 9 million doses. We've gotten about 55% of our adult population with at least one shot and about 82% of 65 and over with at least one shot. But we are still not where we need to be. And that's why we are here today. That's where you guys come in. That's where you guys come in. You guys. He's like pointing at him. You guys. You guys. You're going to go out <laughs> into these communities talking with people. You will have the power to save lives. You will have the power to persuade the hesitant. You can tell them of, about your own story with vaccines. You can listen to them. You can let them know that you care. You can let them know that they just aren't protecting themselves when they get a vaccine, but protecting their family, their friends, and other people. And you can tell them, you too can win $1 million if you just get your vaccine. (laughs) And for those 12 through 17, you can win a full college scholarship. We had a drawing yesterday. We're going to be making an announcement soon. There are three more to go. So let them know. We will get this done. We will get it done. One call, one visit, one house, one conversation, one person, one shot at a time. Together, we will get enough people vaccinated to put this pandemic behind us for good. 
Right. See what I mean? He's just, it just sounds really awkward. He's just, this is, it's not his, uh, this is not in his wheelhouse. It's not his area of expertise. Unlike, for example, uh, Joe Biden, who can really sell this stuff, really. Uh, <laughs> which, now, to be fair, uh, if you're opening for Joe Biden, they probably did tell Cooper, like, don't don't go too crazy here because you don't want to upstage Joe because uh, Joe is not exactly, uh, you know, the avatar of energy here. Um, I'm not going to play any of Joe Biden's speech. I'm going to play just a portion of it. The one bit of it that uh, I just feel like if he were, I don't know, maybe a different uh of a different political party that maybe this comment might be getting a little bit more, I don't know, examination by our friends in the media. You take a listen. There's a reason why it's been harder to get African-Americans initially to get vaccinated because they used to be an experimented on the Tuskegee Airmen and others. People have memories. People have long memories. It's awful hard as well to get Latinx vaccinated as well. Why? They're worried that they'll be vaccinated and deported. <laughs> oh my God. A little racisty. So, all right, a couple things. The Tuskegee experiments were not the same as the Tuskegee Airmen, okay? They're different. I mean, I understand they have the same name of the place, but they're different situations, different <laughs> things altogether. Uh, but he conflates them. He puts them together. Uh, you can assume why. I think it's cognitive uh, decline. I do. I think Joe Biden, our president, is in cognitive decline. I think he has been for a while. I think the evidence is just becoming more and more obvious. And at some point, people are going to uh, come to this general conclusion. Uh, people on the right already believe this, and I understand, you know, why there would be this uh, predisposition to uh, to saying so and to seeing this stuff. But the folks on the left, like guys, you gotta, like, you have to see this as well, right? There's no way you're not seeing this, and the reason why you guys are not identifying it and saying, uh, this is kind of weird. Is he okay? And wow, that's kind of a, a weird thing for him to say is because you want the, you're protecting the power and maybe you're not confident in a president Kamala Harris. Um, but, uh, there it's obvious that he is not doing so great now for the most part, the speech was fine. I mean, he, you know, butchers words. He forgets people's names and stuff. Uh, and look, Trump did this too, but you guys were all about, Oh, this shows that, you know, Trump's in mental decline in cognitive decline. There were all these, you know, doctors that they put on CNN, like, oh, I don't want to diagnose him just from this television appearance, but he's totally got Alzheimer's, you know, like that kind of stuff. You guys were doing that for four years. Now, all of a sudden, nobody's the least bit interested as to why Biden is behaving like this, because I've got a couple more sound bites here to run through on different topics and from different appearances. And this one here, pretty bad. The visit to North Carolina, that example here, that's pretty bad. Again, he conflates the Tuskegee experiments with the airmen. Not the same thing, first of all. Uh, but also, note the, begin the, the beginning of this, uh, where he talks about, you know, that uh, black people are used to getting experimented on. What? So there's the, so there's the Tuskegee experiment, there's that. But 
like the eugenic stuff that progressives were doing a hundred years ago, that was, they were doing that to all sorts of people, by the way. And also when Republicans who have a natural uh, bias against government intrusion, when conservatives uh, say, you know what, I'm not so cool with this, you know, government trying to force the vaccinations on people. I don't like the passport. I don't like that. Like you guys treat the conservatives like they're crazy. But when when black people aren't getting the vaccine, uh, the vaccines at rates that are comparable to whites. Oh, well, that's because they were experimented on. Well, look, could it be that conservatives know that, too? The conservatives look at the experimentations that were done on human beings of all colors. But even if you just want to single out blacks that were the subject of experiments, um, they see that and they're like, yeah, I don't trust the government because that's what they do to people. Well, they didn't do it to white people. Well, first off, yes, they did. But even if you ignore that, does it matter if they're only doing it on black people? I would submit no. They're doing it on human beings. And so, therefore, I am skeptical and suspicious, right? That's a That would be the universal application of a standard, otherwise known as a principle. <laughs> you have a principle. And it doesn't matter who the government was targeting. The fact remains the government targeted people. And so you are wary of government having that power to do so again. Listen again. There's a reason why it's been harder to get African-Americans initially to get vaccinated. Because they used to be an experiment on the Tuskegee Airmen and others. Yeah, so, all right, just wrong, just wrong. But then there was the other part of this bite where he talks about the Latinx, the Latinx, <laughs> which... All right, I'll get to that in a second. First, uh, head on over to General Equipment Rental. If you are looking for equipment of all kinds, whether it's, you know, big heavy duty stuff that you need to like move a bunch of earth or maybe you need scaffolding, you know, to do uh, some uh, maybe you're, you're pressure washing the side of your building or your house and you want some scaffolding so you don't fall off a ladder and kill yourself. Um, well, you can get that stuff at General Equipment Rental, 10% off your first rental, by the way. Uh, you, uh, you can also go and get your outdoor power equipment, Husqvarna and Honda brands, uh, at General Equipment Rental. They're your official licensed dealers, uh, sales and service provider for both of those brands. Uh, that's where I got my weed eater, okay? They got chainsaws and trimmers and hedge clippers and mowers. They got gas and battery powered tools so whatever your preference is they can hook you up go to general equipment rental their website is generalrents.com uh, their store is located in weaverville they're at the intersection of merriman avenue and reams creek road family owned and operated for three generations tell them you heard it here on the podcast or the radio program i appreciate it again general equipment rental in weaverville generalrents.com and think outside your toolbox all right um the second part of Joe Biden's comment about the Latinx, which sounded kind of like uh, a tissue product of some kind. It's awful hard as well to get Latinx vaccinated as well. Why? They're worried that they'll be vaccinated and deported. All right. <laughs> so <laughs> Latinx. <laughs> all right. So first of all, why is he assuming that all Hispanic people, all Latinx, all Latinx, all whatever you want to call them, um, I prefer Latinos or Hispanics, because actually that's what they prefer. So um, why would he assume that all Hispanics or Latinos, that they are all illegal aliens? What's up with that? 
Uh, again, could you imagine if a Republican had said that? Imagine Donald Trump saying that. Oh, my goodness. That's the first thing. Second thing, he's in charge. He's in charge of the immigration system. So why would people be afraid? People are they're swarming over the border right now because they believe Joe Biden's going to let them in. So this doesn't even make any sense. Right. Joe Biden's president. He's, he's not deporting anybody. That's what they think. They're, that's why they're coming. They're like, yay, Biden, Trump's, you know, out. And uh, now we can get in. And Biden is saying, come on in. And then Biden's like, oh, no, 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 please don't come. Please don't come. Wink, wink. And uh, now he's saying that if you're Hispanic, you're, you're expecting to be deported under his administration. <laughs> so uh, it's so bizarre, but not really. But not really. It makes sense. Again, if you believe that he is in cognitive decline, which I tend to. Um, he's Because what's happening is, and you're going to hear it in this next soundbite, is that he is remembering certain kinds of attacks that the left uses, but he's not remembering how to deliver the attack. Because that, it, in order to deliver some of these lines, you have to sort of uh, walk between these... Um, you have to walk between some facts, right? You kind of got to just like fit your way through um, because you know that if you directly state something, it's not going to be true. So you have to kind of imply it without saying it. And that's what he's trying to do there, but it's not working because he's not able to skirt his way through. He doesn't remember how to formulate the line of thinking without sounding like an abject racist right there. (laughs) <laughs> and so that's why he he fails. Same thing happened when um, he was talking about guns the other day. Um, but, all right, hang on. Before I do that, there's a one one other connection here. Jill Biden. Uh, sorry. First Lady Jill Biden. Oh, sorry. First Lady Dr. Jill Biden. She went to Tennessee and <laughs> she was there to promote the vaccines as well. And... Uh, well, here, I'll just play it. I don't even know, because I don't think she's in cognitive decline. I just think she's not very good at this. Now, you know, this state still has mm, a little bit of way to go. <laughs> Only three in 10 Tennesseans are vaccinated. And, well, you're booing yourselves. <laughs> what? They're, they're not booing themselves. Democrats are high, have higher rates of vaccinations. She's telling a crowd. These are Democrats that are all out there, which is another irony here is that they're out rallying Democrats to get the vaccine. Right. These are like partisan rallies that they're holding in order to drum up support for the vaccine among a population that is more likely to be vaccinated than the Republicans are. And so she says, you guys are kind of falling behind. You're not really so great with the vaccination levels. And then they boo. Who are they booing? They're booing the Republicans. Or maybe they're booing blacks and Latinxes, as Joe Biden said in North Carolina. <laughs> Who are they booing? Obviously, they think they're booing those those dirty Republicans who are not getting the vaccines. They just want everybody to die. And she doesn't really respond very well. Now, you know, this state still has mm, a little bit of way to go. (laughs) Only three in 10 Tennesseans are vaccinated. And, 
Well, you're booing yourselves. (laughs) (laughs) It's just terrible. Oh, my goodness. Terrible. Also, you can have a really bad real estate agent, and that's terrible. It really does stink. It has happened to me. I do not wish it upon anybody. You get a bad realtor, and it just makes a lot of things more difficult. So get a good realtor. Get a great realtor. That would be Rowena Patton and her all-star powerhouse team. They outsell 99% of the realtors in the entire state of North Carolina. She is the only agent uh, that I uh, used when Christy and I, we are now uh, getting ready to move into our new house, and uh, she's the only one we called. She's the only realtor I've ever endorsed. Give her a call at 828-333-4483. That's 828 828- Three 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 forty four eighty three. mountainhomehunt.com is the website mountainhomehunt.com give her a call and then start packing speaking of packing uh let's talk some guns specifically uh president biden's <laughs> address that he gave on his new zero tolerance policy for rogue gun dealers new york post reports that uh, this would be targeting dealers accused of violating rules as his administration blames a national crime wave on guns and the pandemic rather than, oh, I don't know, defunding the police, increased tolerance for lawlessness following all of the nationwide police brutality protests. Do you think maybe that had something to do with any of it? Um, The zero tolerance policy will be enforced by the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives, which may soon be led by a guy named uh, David Chipman. Uh, He is an anti-gun activist whom gun rights groups uh, are seeking to block from Senate confirmation. The policy could have a significant impact on federally licensed gun dealers in fiscal year 2020. For example, the ATF performed nearly 6,000 inspections of licensees, and they found violations in about 44% of cases, although most received warnings or no penalty, and only 136 of the 2,500-plus violators uh, lost their licenses. See, so 6,000 inspections, 44% of the cases uh, found got violations, and... Uh, most of them were just warnings or no penalties, but 136 lost their license. 2,500, uh, well, 2,550 were cited for violations of the 6,000, right? So that's the 44%. So 6,000 inspections, 2,500 violations, 136 uh, lost their license. And so if you're now going to say any violation means license lost um that's going that is quite a zero tolerance policy it means that dealers quote absent extraordinary circumstances that would need to be justified to the director the ATF will seek to revoke the licenses of dealers the first time they violate federal law so of course this is going to run people out of business right Because the risk is not going to be worth it. This is the point. It's not going to be worth the risk. One violation means you lose your license. Why even go through the hassle of getting one? Right? Why bother? Ahead of Biden's speech, the Justice Department on Tuesday announced a new effort to create strike forces to slow the flow of guns into cities. 
And uh, by the way, uh, Biden and his administration say that, uh, hey, you can use some of that COVID relief money to uh, hire some cops, use it to refund the police, (laughs) because that's got nothing to do with any of this. The defunding movement, all of that, the attacks on law enforcement, it has got no impact on the rising crime rates and all the increase in gun violence and homicides. It's completely separate. But just coincidentally, if you want to use some of that COVID money to, you know, beef up your police departments again, feel free. <laughs> Unrelated. Uh, Biden's aides repeatedly stressed in the run up to the speech that He's going to try to attribute the spike in violent crime, which began around May of 2020, to the COVID-19 pandemic, which triggered widespread U.S. lockdowns in March of 2020, rather than try to link it to the chaotic aftermath of mass protests and rioting that began in May of 2020. Isn't that amazing that the spike in the violent crimes began in May of 2020? Not in March of 2020. I guess people... No, look, you lock people down in March, and then you gave them the permission to go out and demonstrate, and then when it got violent, you turned a blind eye to it, you didn't want to enforce law, you didn't want to arrest people, and the times when people did get arrested, they were released pretty quickly. White House uh, Press Secretary Jen Psaki repeatedly asserted that crime increased 18 months ago, despite the fact that side-by-side comparisons of the first five months of 2020 and 2021 demonstrate a significant jump in murders and car thefts. Biden faces a political minefield, though. This is according to the New York Post's Stephen Nelson. Even liberal pundits are warning that soaring crime could wreck Democratic political fortunes and potentially return former President Donald Trump to the White House. So if they if they if they have to get tough on crime to prevent Trump from winning uh, a a reelection bid, then then they will do it. That's how committed they are to keeping Trump out of the White House. They will actually get tough on crime. Uh, Biden, once infamous, though, for pushing or authoring laws in the 80s and 90s that disproportionately jailed black people and sent some uh, people to prison for just marijuana. uh, He also risks alienating left wing advocates of defunding or abolishing the police. When 2020 data is complete, the national murder rate is expected to be about 25% higher than 2019. In major U.S. cities, murders and other violent crimes remain high. Which maybe that explains why Biden made this comment, is that he was high. I don't really know. No, I'm saying, all right, here's another example. This is Biden making or trying to make this point, trying to launch this attack that you've probably heard anti-Second Amendment advocates on the left make, uh, that, oh, these people want to keep their guns because they want to, you know, uh, take them up against the government. Don't you know the government has way more firepower than you do? Right? That's essentially the argument. And embedded in that is not just a, a surrender philosophy, right? Like, you should just, well, government's got bigger weapons, so you should just not have any. You should just surrender to the people with more weaponry. Um, but also, it, it, it also it, there's an assumption there that the people who are working for the government are all on the side of the Democrats, right? which <laughs> most of the time when you talk to people 
who would be, uh, you know, who are in the military and they're the ones that would be in, uh, going against their own citizens, they tend not to be of that mindset. But uh, that's an assumption that's embedded in there. So this line of attack is not a particularly persuasive one. It's not an honest one. And that's what I mean why, by Democrats. They got to try to like walk between, they got to kind of fit between these facts of things in order to make these attacks. But with Joe Biden's declining cognitive abilities, it He's not able to do that. And uh, this is how it ends up sounding. The Second Amendment from the day it was passed limited the type of people who could own a gun and what type of weapon you could own. You couldn't buy a cannon. Those who say the blood of the the blood of patriots, you know, and all the stuff about how we're going to have to move against the government. So he couldn't even he doesn't remember the quote, right, that the tree of liberty has to be watered with the blood of tyrants. Now, that's the that's the quote, but he doesn't remember. He just remembers there's a tree and something and liberty, <laughs> something or other. Uh, and remember, they made fun of uh, George W. Bush for mangling these kinds of cliches as well. I mean, I did, too. They were funny. Um, this isn't funny because I think it's due to his age and I don't mock people and I'm not mocking him for a cognitive decline. I am mocking the media for refusing to identify it, refusing to focus on it, and the disparate treatment that they give uh, when they like the guy versus when they don't like the guy for partisan reasons. Um, So he doesn't remember this quote, so he just kind of move on to take up arms, go go against the government. Well, the tree of liberty is not water in the blood of patriots. What's happened is that there never been, if you wanted to think you need to have weapons to take on the government, you need F-15s and maybe some nuclear weapons. The point is that there's always been the ability to limit, rationally limit the type of weapon that can be owned and who can own it. Okay, so in other words, don't try to go against the government. We've got more firepower and we will use it. So if I'm going to take a less than charitable approach and not give him the benefit of the doubt, which I'm trying to, by the way, but the argument is that Joe Biden here is okay with using F-15 fighter jets and nuclear weapons against Republicans. That, that, that's the least charitable impression here, that he is okay with that concept. Now, I, again, I don't believe that. I'm not arguing that. I'm saying that's the least charitable interpretation of his comment, which is how the media would play it if the roles were reversed, if he were a Republican saying something like that about Democrats. Um, what he's arguing there is that because the federal government has access to all of this weaponry, The idea that people with small arms would be able to go up against the government is absurd. And that, of course, ignores basically all of human history. It ignores our own founding, right, where you had people that were not part of like the the British army at the time was like the bee's knees. It was the most formidable army on the planet. And the colonists beat them through tactics and uh, and using their strengths against them and, and exploiting their weaknesses, whatever. You could take more recent examples. How about, oh, I don't know, Afghanistan. How about Iraq, right? How about Vietnam? Do you have example after example of uh, populations that are able to repel superior uh, superior forces, armed forces, trained forces? They're able to do so just by having some weaponry. That's it. 
Um, speaking of uh, military gear, old grouches, military surplus. If you are in the market for real U.S. military surplus, then you need to head on over to old grouches. Either uh, go to the shop in downtown Clyde, um, right there on Main Street, as it has been for you know, three decades across the street from the anti-aircraft gun, uh, or head on over to oldgrouch.com. The website is, you know, they're open 24 seven. Uh, you can check out his inventory. He's got really cool, uh, first responder kits, great for the home or the workplace, uh, scout groups, sports teams, school groups, small business owners. You want to make sure you can take care of, um, you know, uh, an injury, you know, be it a customer or um, an employee, uh, this duffel bag, it's like orange, it's got the reflective tape all over it, and it's got more than 350 components inside the kits. It's got room so you can add more if you've got other stuff you want to put in there too, but 350 plus components inside of this thing, and they're also uh, packed. Their kits are made by uh, folks in North Carolina. Also, MREs, thermal blocking, camo netting, rain ponchos, backpacks, duffel bags, camp stoves, ammo cans, gun accessories. He's got everything. Go check it out. Old Grouch's Military Surplus, your source for real U.S. military surplus, oldgrouch.com. Let's see. What else have we got? Oh, Asheville looking now at a uh, gunfire locator system. Yeah, uh, this is used, what is it, Winston-Salem. Winston-Salem's got one system, they call it the Shot Spotter, and they put it in high crime areas. And the idea here is that they've got microphones and such, and when a shot rings out, uh, then it triggers the microphone, it sends out a signal, and it's basically a 911 call that shots have been fired, and then cops can go uh, start making their way there, so it increases the... um, the speed at which uh, police arrive on scene. It lowers the response time. Um, And so the Citizen Times, or sorry, WLOS has this story that uh, facing a multi-year upswing in gun crime, police will look into technology that helps officers quickly know where a firearm is discharged, taking minutes off response times, according to Police Chief David Zack. The move was spurred by Vice Mayor Shanika Smith, who pushed Zack at a June 22nd City Council meeting to explore how such a system would work in Asheville and how much it would cost. It seems that it is successful in other cities in helping response times to gunfire, Guns being discharged, she said. In less than 30 seconds, you'll get a notification. Zach said that during his long stint uh, in a police force near Buffalo, New York, that he looked into the technology and uh, he says he has researched it for years, but he notes it is expensive. He says he would move forward with getting more information, including the costs, uh, back to the uh, city council. Uh, But he says if you want to reduce uh, gun crime, It's going to take a multifaceted approach, which means, he says, heavy community involvement. (laughs) Good luck with that. Why police have been quitting in droves in the last year is the headline at the New York Times, which profiled Asheville police and the exodus that is occurring. About 30% of the Asheville police force has quit over the last year or so. And they start off their piece highlighting uh, the story of Officer Lindsay C. Rose in Asheville. Friends and relatives uh, had stopped speaking to her because she was a cop. Uh, A a demonstrator at one of these protests turned riots, lobbed an explosive charge that set her pants on fire and scorched her legs. She got spit on. She was belittled. Members of the gay community 
as the New York Times calls them, quote, an inclusive clan that had welcomed her in when she first settled in Asheville, stood near her at one event and chanted, all gay cops are traitors. They really want <laughs> all gay cops are traitors. Are traitors? So you're, so you're traitors to your sexual orientation by being a cop? Okay. A survey of almost 200 police departments indicated that retirements were up 45%. Resignations rose by 18% in the year from April 2020 to, uh, to April 2021. What was going on between April, wait, April and then May? Oh, wait a minute. It's the same time frame. That's the same time frame as the... Uh, the other window here that the New York Post was talking about. Oh, is the COVID, right? The COVID has prompted all the cops to quit. That's what has been happening. Uh, this is all according to, by the way, the Police Executive Research Forum, which is a Washington policy institute. Chief David Zack at, a, at APD uh, says the fact that the protests were directed at the cops pushed many officers to quit. He said, quote, they said we became the bad guys and we did not get into this to become the bad guys. This is a point that I think a lot of folks on the left either overlook or are um, are purposefully ignoring it, not speaking it because they're using it as a weapon. It's a tactic. They know that people or they're ignorant to this fact, but the, the people that go into policing generally want to be seen as the good guys. Generally, I mean, there are bad apples. I'm not saying there aren't. But generally speaking, people want to become cops because they want to help people. They want to be the good guy. And when you say that uh, joining that profession makes you the bad guy, well, they don't want to be the bad guy, so they will leave. A sense also that the city itself did not back its police force was a key reason for the departures, according to officers themselves, as well as police and city officials. Officers felt that they should have been praised rather than pilloried after struggling to contain chaotic protests. Low pay deepened the frustration with a starting salary at about $37,000. Few officers can afford houses in Asheville, where housing prices have sharply increased in recent years. Finally, police say they were asked to handle too much. They were constantly thrown at tangled societal problems like mental health breakdowns or drug overdoses. Uh, and they said they're, they're not equipped for this. They blamed, uh, and then they get blamed when anything goes wrong. Officers who left say they endured a barrage of good riddance taunts on social media. I've seen it as well, by the way. I can personally attest to this, that when people leave the police force, they make some sort of a statement or there are any stories about this that cops leaving, you see the same actors on the left in Asheville social media circles. They pile on with, thank God you stink, uh, racist go home. Like all of that kind of stuff is directed at these cops. And, and they're celebrating the fact that cops are leaving the profession. Some say they were accused of leaving because the higher level of public scrutiny meant they could no longer beat up people of color with impunity. I've seen that. Absolutely. Oh, what's the matter? You can't beat up on black people. That's why you're quitting. That's what the leftists are screaming. Of the more than 80 officers who left, about half found different professions and the other half found different departments. Uh, some uh, decided that Asheville was the problem. Alec Doman 
30 years old, a former Marine infantryman, could not afford a house in the city. And the uh, the rage directed at the cops during the protest shocked his wife, who watched it live on Facebook. So he took a job down in Greenville, South Carolina, and then he bought a house. And he says it's night and day. He says, I can't tell you how many times I'll be in uniform and somebody comes up and shakes my hand and thanks me for what I do. This is what I've said, by the way. About teachers, whenever we have this discussion about teachers, nobody wants to go to work every day and think that what they do doesn't matter. And that's that. those are the conditions that people in Asheville have created for police officers. And people don't want to work in those conditions. Why would you want to go in and police a community that doesn't want you there? If everyone thinks you stink and you're a racist for taking the job, why would you take the job in that city? Yeah, Asheville's got a really big problem on its hands now. And you can thank the local leftist mob. Now, you can thank me if you uh, give Balkan Roofing a call and they put a new roof on your house. You're welcome for the recommendation. They're fantastic. Okay, Balkan Roofing. Uh, Third generation roofers. You can get a new roof on your house for as low as $69 a month with financing from Balkan. Okay, they they do this in house now. Uh, they did they started doing this about a year or so ago, I want to say. Uh, and it, what it does is it allows them uh, to work with people in ways that some of the larger financing providers that that, that they don't. Okay, so uh, if you are worried about maybe some not so great stellar credit. Don't worry. Call Balkan. Their number is 628-0390. The roof protects the most important investment, the biggest investment most of us will ever make. It's the house. People will spend tens of thousands of dollars, you know, on interior stuff, upfitting and renovating and all this stuff. And uh, and then they just ignore the roof, which protects everything that they've just spent all that money on, <laughs> which I don't understand. All right. The roof. Vital. Uh, get them out to your house. They'll take a look at the roof line. They'll walk the roof and they'll say, uh, look, maybe you don't even need any work done, but maybe you do. And if you do, they'll do it for you. And they do a great job. 628-0390. Their website is balkanroofing.com. That's B-A-L-K-E-N roofing.com. And uh, tell them you heard it here on the show. I appreciate it. Again, 628-0390 and balkanroofing.com. So the New York Times says that city officials seem torn about how to respond. At first, Chief Zach defended the officers uh, over the whole uh, over their response to the protests. Remember, they they broke down the the medical tent, chasing off the volunteers, slashing the water bottles. And at first, David Zach defended the officers, saying, "Look, they were using the bottles as weapons. They were throwing them at the cops and stuff." But then he later apologized after the left lost their minds, like, "Oh, I can't believe that he stood by their cops." Mayor Esther Mannheimer dropped into one daily police briefing lauding the department's efforts and then the very next day she publicly accused the police of mishandling events ms manheimer mayor since 2013 said in an interview that the city was facing a quote clash of cultures and that what 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 would those cultures be what do you think what are those cultures Lawlessness versus law and order? Are those the cultures? (laughs) She said she had, quote, obviously not perfected her efforts to, quote, thread the needle of supporting law enforcement employees, but at the same time demanding and calling for needed change. Here's the problem. The city council, the elected officials, they lack credibility on this topic. They cannot convince APD that they are on their side because they have spent years convincing APD that they're not. So you don't have any credibility here. Not with the cops. That's why they're leaving. It's what they've told you. 
They know that you are more beholden to the Moonbat Brigade that makes up a large portion of the Democratic base in Asheville. They know this. Rob Thomas of uh, the, uh, the band, no, I'm kidding, the Racial Justice Coalition. He said the black community has long felt targeted, and he learned early on that there was an unwritten rule among police officers that they would beat anyone who ran from them. Now, that is true. That's true. That used to be predominantly like in the uh, 70s and 80s. Like there was always this understanding. If you made the cops run, they're probably going to whip up on you a bit. And to him, the officers leaving, not a big concern. But I think this was interesting. This line here was uh, that he says that there was this unwritten rule that they would beat up anybody who ran from them. So what is he advocating there? That we should be able to run without consequence. Right. That's what he's arguing for. That's the standard. Like this is a lack of compliance with law enforcement. And I don't know how this gets any better if you've got people that are advocating that you should not comply with the lawful commands of law enforcement. Um, Also, he says that, uh, you know, the ones who left are collateral damage of people advocating for change. Now, I'd point out here, as the Times does, that it takes about a year to train a new cop and Seven cops who started in December, all but one of them have already quit. Six out of seven cops have already quit. Didn't even make it a year. Uh, To make do, the APD has trimmed its services. We've talked about that. The department shuttered a downtown satellite office. It stopped bicycle patrols. It makes fewer traffic stops. Um, All but one of the seven officers who investigate domestic violence and sexual assault have left. So six of seven cops have left. Uh, So now the department is trying to get three officers up to speed and get them the skills they need to conduct those investigations. And then people ask me this too. Well, what about the businesses? Don't the businesses care? They have quotes in here from people uh, uh, from Malaprop's bookstore, Spice and Tea Exchange. Here's my favorite quote from Jill Coleman. Quote, people might be feeling a little shaky with not seeing police around, but it's also exciting to think that change is coming. Goody! Change is coming. Oh, I'm so excited. I mean, yes, I'm feeling a little shaky uh, not seeing all the cops around, you know, maybe not having them respond to any, you know, crime. Small price to pay for the change, though. That's what the business is in downtown. So when people are like, what about the businesses? That's what they're saying. This is the message that's being conveyed. And people wonder why folks don't want to hang out downtown. All right, that is a wrap for the episode. I appreciate you listening. Thanks so much. And remember, subscribe at thepetecalendarshow.com. Talk with you later, and don't break anything while I'm gone. 